500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Build Penny Toyota during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May 31st. That means mega deals on your favorite Toyota models from Alabama's number one volume Toyota dealer. And don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. Plus, enjoy the rest of our awesome Penny perks. Visit BuildPennyToyota.com during Mega Memorial Month. Number one based on 2018 total new Toyota retail sales in Alabama for Southeast Toyota distributors. Warranty valid through 10th year of ownership on new vehicles only. See dealer for details. Shut up and sit down.
when you get older, you go through um, stages of behavior, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable to you changes. And when that changes, you sort of lose interest in what everybody else thinks is acceptable or unacceptable. And, you know, sometimes you, you go through that at a very early age. I did. And sometimes you don't go through it at all. And that's fine. It's fine. And I, I want to come out right and say right now, it is perfectly okay for you to be in the closet. That's your choice. When you decide, or if you ever decide, to reveal your fandom life to friends and family or just in general to the world, that's your decision and nobody else's fucking business. Um, I don't give a shit. And one day, one day, it may happen, I might just kick my closet door down and bust out and tell you everything. Tell you every fucking thing. Today is not that day. So don't get your hopes up. I... But again, it's not because of shame. It's merely a matter of keeping my career separate from fandom. And I do believe that's important to keep fandom in a in a place. And yet in in a separate place from myself, it, that's important because it keeps me from doing stupid things. And also, there's a lot of freedom to be had in fandom that I don't experience professionally. I can say things on my live journal I would never say in a million years on my blog as as a professional. I can basically say whatever the fuck I want. But I was told years ago that I can't even endorse a political candidate on my professional blog. Uh, I'm supposed to be neutral. You know, I, I wouldn't want to alienate Republicans who might buy my book. I don't know if they actually buy my book. They might, because you never know. You never know. But I can't do I can't have any fun on my blog. And you can't... People get weird. People get really weird. And yes, I say Republican like some people say child molester. It means the same thing to me. Not really, not literally. I don't think our Republicans are child molesters. I just think that child molesters and Republicans are irredeemable. Because it is a dirty word, Republican. And I could bat for an hour or more, because I was listening. My husband has serious radio in his car. And we were just going down the road, minding our own business, and on comes the radio, this ridiculous. And they don't have commercials often on Sirius. Most of the time it happens on those talk shows, those talk radio channels. This was an ESPN channel, because my husband is football addict, and I don't mean like soccer, like the rest of the world thinks when they think football. Um, I meant that sport where a bunch of millionaires get together and crawl on top of each other and there's no hot gay sex. That football. 
Okay. So, <clears throat> unless if, if there is hot gay sex, we're not seeing it, which is a fucking shame. I find football much more interesting. For real. If there was some action of that nature. Anyways. <clears throat> we're listening to ESPN on Sirius, and there is this commercial about Jesus. I, I mean, there's really no other way to put it, I guess, in, in, in their mind. And it was a, um, a pro-life commercial about not paying, not having your insurance pay for birth control or the morning after pill or abortions and, and how you could avoid that and still be a good Christian. And there was a line in this commercial where it says, you can get insurance without making Jesus cry. Try to be tolerant. I do. Not really. I do try not to laugh in people's faces. I will say this. I will say that. I busted out laughing and laughed all the way into the store. Because it reminded me of those drag queens in that Chick-fil-A video on YouTube. Anyways, but they're not pro-life. They're pro-birth. If you're having sound issues, Jilly, you might need to refresh because you could have some kind of um, lagging or, or digital thing. Um, anyways, pro-birth. They're not pro-life. If you're pro-life, you're against the death penalty, and you're anti-war, and you believe in public programs, and you believe in being the poor, and you believe in supporting people who cannot support themselves. That is pro-life. But when your only concern is the contents of a woman's vagina and your ability to control it, you're not pro-life. You're just a fucking asshole who thinks it's your duty, your God-given duty, to practice to punish women for fucking. There you go. That's my opinion about that. Anyways... You can be pro-life. Don't be a fucking hypocrite about it. If you're pro-life, you don't believe in the death penalty. and You don't think that war is ever the answer. And you believe in public assistance. And you believe in giving to the poor. You believe, you do, you do. That, that, that's what pro-life means. That means you find every life precious. And if you don't find every life precious, you're not pro, you're not pro-life. You're not. You're an asshole. I'm an asshole. I'm not pro-life. I don't find all life precious. I am 100% positive there are people on this planet who need killing. Straight up. Boom. Anyways, the minions are compiling a list of people who need it. If you're in Facebook, you can join Minion Headquarters and become a part of that. I'm I'm not 
I'm pretty sure it's just a, an exercise. I don't know that they're actually considering hiring a hitman. I had a cousin recently who called me in the middle of the day, and she said, I am going to kill everyone I know. I said, wait, don't kill everyone you know. If you have the need to kill, I have a list. Start with them first. <laughs> in fact, start with so-and-so just in case you get caught early. <laughs> and it calmed her down, and she stopped considering mass homicide. Um, PMS is terrible. PMS um, is it on Minion Central. Minion Headquarters is in Facebook. If you don't have access to Minion Headquarters in Facebook, send me a private message and I will add you, or you can send Lady Holder a private message if you don't want to chat with me. I won't hold it against you. Um, Minion Headquarters is just a um, place within Facebook where readers meet and and share porn links and sometimes sometimes naughty pictures. Mostly they just, you know, bitch about things and plot murder. Um but you know, theoretically. Just in theory. Just theoretically. Azure says she can add bitches too. And she can. Azure has the ability to add bitches. Um <clears throat> I uh, I don't know. So I was I, I I got this email and it was um, for the most part a pretty decent email. You know, talking about um, my work and um, my reaching two million words benchmark and how I um, operate in fandom and um, but the end result is is this person accused me of being ashamed of my fandom activity and I'm not I'm not remotely ashamed of it and I don't in the scope of that I don't care who knows about it. I don't have a problem admitting that I enjoy gay porn. Um you can practically ask anybody in my family, Oh, what's so and so oh she likes the boys fucking yeah. That's gonna come up. It's going to come up because I don't have any shame when it comes to shit like that. And, you know, when you come from a family like mine, you really, your shame gets removed sometime around before first grade. And you also learn to be a smartass. You you have to, it's a self-preservation skill. And, um... My niece, my niece, who I call Princess on um, my live journal, she, her and her mother are in a Target. My, uh, this, is an, this was in April. It might have been May, May or April. I can't remember. Um, there was some discussion, and the kid wanted something that my sister did not want to provide. And I want to say it was April because there was um, discussion about taxes. At any rate, my sister gives her this whole big lecture about 
economics. Now, granted, my niece is six, and she doesn't understand economics. A yes or a no would have done, right? So my sister goes on for five or ten minutes. It had to be April because my sister always gets really fussy about money when it comes time to pay taxes. Anyways, and my niece looks her right in the eye after my sister finishes this 10-minute lecture about economics and um, her not buying her this $5 toy that she wanted. And she says, are you fucking kidding me? Though it doesn't need to be said, I got blamed for that. And it's not fair. Because in no way, in no way am I the only bad influence those children are exposed to. I'm not even the worst influence those children are regularly exposed to. Anyways, my oldest nephew... No, second oldest. He's 14, my Padawan. Um, it's really before school got out this year. Plus again. And, you know, there there's a moment. I mean, you, you, you have to wonder if the principal wondered if it was actually worth calling us. Because... My sister ended up going. And this is the same principal that had to deal with the goat fucking incident. Um, and if you don't know what that is, on my live journal, I sometimes write stories about my family. And there was a story where I had to go rescue my nephew from evil bad junior high because he called somebody. Somebody hit him. And he doesn't play. Padawan has never been the one to play with it. Like so, he punched the kid back and told him, "Don't hit me again, you hillbilly goat fucker." And so my sister calls me and makes me go down there to get him because apparently it's my fault. He called this kid a hillbilly goat fucker, and um, <laughs> I get down there and. I'm like, and the principal is wanting him to apologize, and the lady, the mother of the other kids, wanting him to apologize. And I asked him if he can honestly apologize, and he says, "No, I can't. I still think he's a hillbilly goat fucker. I'm willing to apologize for the language, but not the belief." And to which I said, "Well, since we actually ask our children to be honest in our family, I can't force him to lie to you and say he's sorry he called your son a hillbilly goat fucker." <laughs> which my sister thought wasn't actually as um I'm not a parent. I'm not required to be, okay? And that's what I told her. I don't know. No, it's not my job to discipline him. I picked him up and took him someplace and got him a sandwich. <laughs> that was the extent of my... Anyways, he got called to the principal's office again. My sister goes to get him. And 
I call her. I said, hey, you know, what did he do? And um, she, she, she got so tickled she couldn't actually tell me. So she had to text it to me. So she says, okay, I can't, I can't. And she hung up. And then she texts me. Apparently, there was this girl, and she was wearing a pair of shorts the teacher thought was too short. And the teacher berated her about them, even though the shorts were actually the lengths that the school requires. They weren't shorter than the dress code allowed, and the teachers berating this girl in front of the entire class about the length of her shorts. And my nephew busts out with, why don't you stop perving on her? She's just 14. Nobody else has a problem with the length of her shorts. It's just you. And she's not responsible for your dirty old mind. So my mom calls me, and I asked her, so what happened when my sister, when pick him up? And he's sitting there in the principal's office, and the principal is trying to lecture him for calling the teacher a pervert. And my sister is, is trying to maintain some dignity in this situation, but she's had to leave the room once already to laugh, okay? So she comes back in, and my Padawan looks the principal right in the eye and says, look, I'm not going to participate in rape culture. I've got three sisters and a mom and a grandma and an aunt. I have two aunts. I'm not going to do it. And when some asshole says something inappropriate to a girl, I'm going to call him out about it. And if that's a problem for you, problem, not mine. Fortunately, it was the day before the last day of school. <laughs> so he didn't actually get suspended for being a smartass. And I got a lecture about it as well. Because, you know, I don't. mean to, but sometimes I rant in front of the kids, and they get exposed to things that um, might be considered adult topics, And um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with my 14-year-old nephew recognizing what um, misogyny is and what rape culture looks like, and I don't think his response was out of line at all. And I told her that. And I said, you know, if we taught boys to recognize this, then we wouldn't have grown men groping women in bars. Unless they were mentally damaged. My oldest nephew has had one single fight his entire high school career, and it was over a girl. One of his casual 
acquaintances, put his hand up a girl's skirt in the hall. And my nephew whooped his ass right there in the middle of the hall over it. I was very proud to go pick him up. <laughs> I had absolutely no problem picking him up. They both got suspended. The boy got suspended for inappropriate contact with another student, and my nephew got suspended for fighting. Um, but there was absolutely no punishment to be had on 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 that subject. And when you're raised by a bunch of women, you have a different perspective when it comes to women. And my nephew said, because, you know, that could have been my sister or, you know, or you. Or, or I mean, he said, that that's just, no, no one's going to do it to my sister. That's somebody else's sister. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nothing to be said. And so <clears throat> I... I really do believe that that kind of shit is learned. And, and I'm totally off subject. I've talked about taxes and rape culture. And, and anyway, <clears throat> but that can actually kind of lead back in um, to fandom. One thing I have seen and heard about um, is cosplay and how women are mistreated at conventions and how they're considered less of a fan and... and um, and, and and that goes back into fan shaming and and men assuming that women really have one purpose. Not all men. Hashtag. Not all men. Um, but it needs to be said that I have never in my life encountered a woman who hasn't who doesn't have a story to tell about being misused or mistreated sexually by a man. Not a single one. Let me repeat that. I have never met a woman who didn't have a story where a man assumed he had the right to sexual access. I have rarely met a woman who hasn't been intimately groped in a bar. Rarely. And that's because those women don't go to bars. And I can't imagine what it must be like for a young woman to go to a convention, dress in one of these scantily clad, um, these scanty little outfits, and because she's a fan and she's super excited and she likes the character, and then she has to put up with bullshit on a level that she might have been unprepared for the first time. Um, I've only ever been to one convention. I went to a Star Trek convention. It was a lot of fun. If I ever did cosplay, I'd want to be a Klingon. You know, one of the bitches with the tits. You, don't, you, you can't see me, but I just totally picked my tits up and put them in the air like, boom! You know, anyways, because, um, you know, terrible, terrible but true story. My husband calls um, those Klingon women from that one movie the Titty Sisters. Because all they are is head ridges and tits. 
Is that a movie or an episode? I can't remember. You know, the, the Klingon sisters. Well, he calls them the, the Titty Sisters. And it's terrible, and I actually, I hate that word. Um, it was an episode, I'm being told. Anyway, funny and terrible at the same time. And I actually hate that word, titty. It's, it's an it's a ugly, ugly word. Anyways, <clears throat> when it comes to sexism and, and fandom, it's it's pretty um, rampant. I uh, I'm gonna confess something, and it's terrible. And I felt bad as soon as I thought it, and I've been trying to um, work my way out of it. <sighs> okay, there are very attractive men and women in the various fandoms that we uh, participate in, that I participate in. And Emma Watson is a particularly beautiful young woman. And she is, in fact, a young woman. and But she grew up in front of fandom's face, you know, because when she first appeared in Harry Potter, she was nine years old. So she's grown up in front of us. And so sometimes, even though I do tend to write her as an adult, I do see her as a little girl. And I have never been uncomfortable with somebody telling me that they think Daniel Radcliffe is attractive, male or female. But when someone pointed out that they thought Emma Watson was attractive, I thought, oh, my God, you pervert, how dare you? And it was like this immediate response. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Oh, my God, what's wrong with me? And then it crossed my mind what it was, and it's terrible, and I'm going to work on it. I am, because it's not a good place to be in. I don't have a problem with women finding younger men attractive. But it squeaked me out in the extreme to find an older man finding a woman as young as Emma Watson attractive. And that's not fair. It's a double standard, and I understand that. And I'm um, I'm going to work on it. And I guess I mean it is because I'm a little protective of her because she's vulnerable. She's vulnerable in in, in ways that the males in the Harry Potter fandom aren't. And I don't mean that, you know, she's less vul- she's more vulnerable to stalking. It's just that in general women are are more vulnerable. Women are prey. And it's not just in fandom. The other night I sometimes leave my house in the middle of the night. My husband finds this very uncomfortable. It actually honestly pisses him off when I leave the house. It it, it does. Sometimes it's just for Taco Bell. Sometimes I go to the store because Walmart's open 24-7. Kroger's open till 2. At any rate, Kroger, in case for those of you who don't live in my area or my country, is a grocery store. And Walmart, if you don't know what Walmart is, 
count yourself lucky, and I'm not going to tell you because you don't need to know. It's bad. Anyway, so <clears throat> the other night um, there was a shooting in my city, a public shooting. And um, as my husband's getting ready to go to bed, he says, um, you need to stay home tonight. Don't get, don't get any ideas about leaving. Stay in the house. And it isn't a judgment on my ability to take care of myself or my common sense or the fact that everybody and their mother is carrying a gun like it's the goddamn old West. Um, it is merely because I'm a woman. Because he would not hesitate to leave the house at 2 o'clock in the morning. At all. But the idea of me leaving the house at 2 o'clock in the morning makes him extremely uncomfortable. And lately, I have to admit, it makes me uncomfortable. When I was younger... I was, I don't know, um, less concerned about shit like that, which is terrible. It's terrible because you put a lot of faith in other people when you make yourself vulnerable. You're trusting them not to hurt you. Now, truth be known, I carry a gun. Because I do live basically in the Old West, and I'm not bringing a, a knife to a gunfight. I'm not. I have a 9mm. Um, I have a permit to carry concealed. I'm not going to apologize for it. And if I ever pull it out, somebody's going to be a shot. And I know how to use it, yes. I had I had lessons, and um, I had gun safety classes, and um, just the, the whole nine yards. About two years ago, I'm in Target. This is the middle of the day, the middle of the day. And um, I don't, I might have cut this man off in the parking lot, but it was an accident. And I did that little way that girls do when they fuck up driving. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. But the dude didn't take my wave as an apology, as he fucking should have. I'm just saying. And he follows me to my parking spot, and I park and I hop out, and he gets out of his car and glares at me. And says, you need to fucking learn to drive. And I said, I'll get right on that. Because I'm a smart ass. That's what I, that's what I do. I go into Target. I come back out 45 minutes later, and he and his friend are leaning on their truck, waiting on me. Well, this is some bullying behavior, right? Trying to intimidate a woman because you got a big old truck. Or, or you got a friend. I don't know. I don't know. And he said, you know what? And I said, I know that in the state that we're living in, that 
if you don't have a criminal record, you can get a permit to carry a gun concealed. That's what I know. But I also know that my 9mm has enough bullets in it that I could put a hole in you and your friend and still have left and still have some left over for your big stupid truck. I said, and the question is, is what do you know? Do you know whether or not I have my gun in my purse? Do you know that you could get to me before I could pull my gun out? And he got in his truck, and he left. But it's an example. It speaks to the mentality that there are men, not all, but some, who believe they have the right to put a woman in her place. And this mentality is not just regulated to target parking lots. It happens at conventions. It happens on forums. It happens on blogs and live journals and fandom, and you're being told, you don't need to do this, and you don't need to do that, and shouldn't you be fucking ashamed of yourself for thinking this? And I posted, there was a picture on Facebook, and uh, (laughs) it's a terrible picture. (laughs) If you're on my Facebook, I know you've seen it. Um, It's these um, two boys, and I'm not sure if they're in a boy band or what. I don't know what they are. Um, But they're wearing these um, half-speedo bathing suits that it's like half-speedo, half-thong bikini thing. And basically all it is is a cloth. It's It's a sack that they're wearing on one thigh that goes up between their butt cheeks and and cups their balls. And Maya in the chat room is calling it a ball slingshot. I've been calling it a nutsack all day. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) my husband saw it. Ran straight from the room. Just boom. Just ran straight from the room. If you're in the chat room, Lady Holder has posted a link. Anyways, it is terrible and funny, and, and and some people should never, ever in a million years wear one, okay? Um, at any rate, someone posted on um, the uh, picture that it was sick. And I wanted to ask him what he meant, because it was a man, that I, as far as I could tell, it had a male name and a male picture, so it was, it could have most likely been a man, and it's not sick, it's just funny, it's funny as hell, and I don't know what was sick about it, was it sick because it was two boys showing off their bodies, and was it a dick sack, I don't understand why it was sick, and I wanted to ask, I really did, but I didn't, I didn't ask, and I'm wondering um, if it was about, um, just the naked maleness, and if that's the case, aren't you guys exposed to that level of nakedness pretty much all the time? I mean, I have this idealized fantasy about um, 
men's locker rooms. And maybe I'm mistaken, but you've seen naked guys before, right? It's not really. I mean, even if you're straight, you've seen another man naked, right? Because gym, class, I'm, you know, just saying. Steam rooms, I don't know. Maybe. I don't get it. Anyways, he said it was sick. And maybe he had an inappropriate reaction to his picture and it was sick for that reason. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate too much in public. There was a lot of speculation in private. And judgment. We sit in judgment of each other. And fandom is so bad for that. It is so easy to judge somebody, isn't it, when you don't have to look them in the face? When you don't have to see their reaction to your ugliness? When you can say, oh, that's just disgusting and sick and wrong and how dare you think that or how dare you think that's hot or um, kink shaming is a big thing in, um, in fandom. There was more than one picture of that, Marcus. It wasn't the only picture that got posted um, or shared. There were like three or four different versions of that picture running around. And I'm not sure um, if he deleted his comment or if it's just not on a comment that you or a version of the picture that you can see. Um, anyway, and it doesn't really... Um, I imagine he isn't the only straight guy who thought it was sick. Or maybe he's just a Puritan. But honestly, having looked at those pictures, um, those dudes might as well have been naked. But I appreciate the manscaping. I really do. I seriously appreciate the manscaping. Because, gentlemen... If you're going to wear a ball sling, nutsack, or, or um, G-string leg bikini, whatever you fucking want to call it, if you're going to wear that, you need to shave your shit. Shave, wax, nair, don't give a shit. You need to take care of the landscape, okay? Because it is one thing. To wear a ball sling. It is another to wear a ball sling <laughs> while sporting a jungle. And this is not just my thing because I don't like body hair. Because I don't, as a rule. That came off my, on, my, on my live journal this week because of um, an, an email that I received. Um, at any rate... Right. Just do some maintenance if you're going to wear shit like that in public. So I appreciate the fact that both these young men took the time to get their shit in order before they went out in a ball sling.
I <coughs> sometimes when someone messages me, it kind of throws me off, or um, if I see something um, in the chat room that amuses me, or I see a picture of a ball swing, it it, it kind of puts me off my game. And um, then I'm stuck not figuring out what I was going to talk about, the ball slings and, and manscaping and fandom, fandom kinks. You know, sometimes you encounter a kink in fandom that you don't think you'll understand in a meal. We've all encountered those. I think it's important that when you um, encounter something that makes you uncomfortable that you don't lash out. Because it's very easy to lash out. And that lashing out becomes bullying. And that bullying turns into something more than something that's far-reaching. I think that a lot of times when authors get run out of fandom, it's because they've done something that makes somebody else uncomfortable and that person responds inappropriately and then there's a mob mentality attached to it. And you turn into an asshole. And in your assholery, you make something that somebody loves unfun. And when you destroy something that somebody else is enjoying, merely because it makes you uncomfortable, you're an asshole. I'm not talking about Chan, which, you know, interestingly enough, you don't see authors who write that child porn treated the same way that people get treated who get right out of fandom for writing sex between two adults. You don't see that mob mentality. And it's ugly, but it's a part of fandom, and it's a part of, I guess, the human experience. It's, it's just what you get exposed to and what you have to deal with when you're in fandom. And in some ways, I guess that can create a situation where you end up back in the closet because you don't want have that level of exposure in fandom because what if it bleeds over? You know, what if you encounter somebody in fandom who who knows who you really are and you do something that makes them mad and they start intruding on your real life, making you miserable there as well. You know, calling your boss or accusing you of um a pro from your job or upset your family, or make your children uncomfortable, or you know, upset your spouse. You know, and so you... But the thing is, is that, yes, that might be over the line, but I can see it happening. You know, when you encounter that mob mentality where they put their effort into ruining somebody in fandom, if they had the ability to track that person down in real life, they would do it in real life, too. They would take that hatred and that ugliness and it would 
cross over into real life if they had the opportunity to do so. Because once they get that far gone, then your real life is fair game for them too. And if they know who you are, and they can look you up and look up your address and go to Google and get a fucking picture of your house, could that be, you know, when Google Earth first started, I thought it was kind of cool. But now, not so much. It's kind of scary, actually. Kind of scary. Because I went to my to my house on Google Earth. And I was looking at it and I thought, oh, that's just not, I wish I didn't were coming through. I would cut my grass. But, but those were my thoughts. If I'd known the Google car was in my area at the time, I would have made sure my grass was cut. I'm not saying I would have cut it myself because I don't do that. I'm saying that I would have had my husband do it. So reasons to have a Brit fandom name and not to not use your real name in fandom and in public. And um, Number one, people are crazy. Look at in your business. They'll make your business their business. Do something that makes them mad. They'll make you miserable in a fandom and then follow you right out and make you miserable in your real life too. Two, sometimes fandom doesn't have the best um, image. And if you're in the job market, attaching your real name to fandom can be very bad. It can uh, cut um, cut into your market. It can make you less hireable. It 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 can just be an ugly situation. So you have to think, is that something that you want to do? Are you comfortable with that? Is it going to bother you at all if your boss knows that you like to read cross-dressing slash in the supernatural fandom between two brothers? Because you, if you do, if you like cross-dressing incest, that's your business. Problems. I have problems with incest. I do. And I've admitted this. I've admitted it, but if that's your kink, that's your kink, and that's your business and nobody else's. But if that's your kink, you have to keep in mind that future bosses might not appreciate cross-dressing Dean bending over for his brother. So you need <laughs> you need to keep it in mind, and it's not a matter of shame. Keeping your closet door shut when it comes to fandom is not a matter of shame. It's a matter of um, self-protection. 
and um, keeping your your public fandom life separate from your private life. And um, so I encourage you not to use your real name on Facebook. Engage your privacy to the fullest extent that you can. Don't include your location on your posts. I think that's a very bad idea to have your um, geotagging on on um, Facebook or Twitter. It's just bad. It's a bad idea because it, it gives people information about you that they don't need. Um, in your smartphones, you can turn geotagging off on your pictures. You need to do that as well. And this is, you know, this is the world we live in, so we need to prepare for the world we live in and not the world we wish we lived in. Because in the in the ideal world, we don't have to worry about any of this shit, but we don't live in an ideal world. We live in a world where some psycho bitch on the Internet can can develop a grudge for you, and you not even know their name, not even their fandom name, and they're over there on their blog talking about what a cunt you are, and you've never had any interaction with them at all. You don't even know who they are, and they are so invested in you and in your behavior that it's pitiful. But that investment can turn ugly, and then it won't just be bitching on their blog or their live journal about you or wanking on some anonymous fandom um, situation. They're going to be on your Facebook, digging into your posts, looking at your pictures, trying to figure out where you live because they're crazy. And there is a, there's a lot more crazy in this world than you're aware of. stupid amount of crazy on this planet. And if you have to deal <clears throat> with that kind of situation, it can make you um, extremely uncomfortable in situations where you have... Um, put way too much information out in the public, and then you get into a situation where you've made an enemy online, whether it be in fandom or, you know, some random CNN blog where you bitched about Republicans' posts and made somebody very, very mad at you. Or, you know, one night where you spent entirely too much time um, crazy baiting on YouTube. Because I've had that experience as well. So please don't just be careful. Just be careful. You, you I, I'm not saying you can't use your real name. I'm just saying that if you do, be careful. Um, Chamara is asking about crazy baiting. Okay, so there was this crazy whack ass um, post video on YouTube. And um, it was terrible. And I commented on it. And I got a whole bunch of sexist, terrible comments in return. And so me and a couple of other minions spent a good two hours poking those guys with a stick, which is crazy baiting. And I got so amused, and they obviously were not amused. 
they were furious. And the more angry they got, the more amusing I found it. It's not good to upset somebody like that, especially if your real information is attached to your various accounts. And mine isn't. I'm, I'm very careful about that. But if you're going to do shit like that, it's not a good idea to do it in your real name because they, they might show up at your house. There's this terrible urban legend among writers about um, a man who stalked an, a writer and actually eventually even bought a house near her to get, so that he could get close to her because he he fancied himself in love with her and he had never set eyes on her. He had never seen her face and he decided he was in love with her because he read her books. No, this was, this was a professional writer and... Um, she found out because he went to her husband's job and told him to divorce her because he wasn't good enough and he was going to take care of her. And, uh, yeah, it was terrible. It was horrible. And I don't know if it's actually true, but I've been hearing that story for years. And even if it's not true, it's still a cautionary tale that you'd be aware of because people get crazy. I've been stalked online. Um, I've been stalked in real life. Uh, it's scary. And even when it stops, you have to wonder if they stopped. Even if they stop responding or they stop sending you messages or they stop calling your house or they stop calling you at work, you don't know if it's over. You don't ever know if it's over because this person was watching you and taking notice of you when you didn't know. And you don't know how long they were doing it to begin with before they got so tempted that they contacted you. And then after, when you get them to back off, you don't know if they've stopped paying attention to you or if they've just merely stopped talking to you. And it's creepy and weird. And it can happen in fandom. It can happen in your grocery store. <clears throat> now, I have a lot of stalkers. Sanctioned stalking, that's perfectly okay. But if you know the contents of my refrigerator, that's not okay. It really isn't. It's not okay. I got somebody on hold. I'm going to let them come through. I'd like to remind you when you get on the air to tell people your fandom name so they'll know who I'm talking to. Area code 408. You're on the air with Kira. Hello. Hi, Kira. This is Jilly. I actually was just listening in to avoid the audio corruption. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you can do that if you um, are having problems with the audio um, you can call in, and if you're on hold, you can listen to my radio show that way, provided that you don't have a problem with long-distance dialing or, you know, stuff like that. So No, no problem. <laughs> okay, you, 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 I'll put you back on hold so you can listen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> did, did you have anything to say about fandom or um, the, <clears throat> the fandom closet or hiding your name or anything like that? Well, I... Um... It, just in the in the whole vein about the fandom 
you know, fandom closet and fandom fandom shaming and stuff. I used to be very out about my, you know, fandom activities. And uh, people are very disapproving of it. And, you know, your friends and family will shame you right into the closet. And it's not that I'm um, ashamed of what I do, but, uh, you know, it's only so many times you want to hear it over the dinner table. Why are you wasting your time on that? Or um, I had a particularly humiliating incident at a con with a friend who uh, um, walked up to a celebrity that we were actually there to see and said, hey, you know, she she writes about you. She likes to write about you having sex with Mulder. And I went, um, actually, you know, I'm pretty unflappable. So I said, actually, that's not true. I'm more of a Skinner fan. And... <laughs> We all laughed it off, but I was just sort of like, you know, <laughs> we're never doing this again. So it, it can be kind of um, uh, epically humiliating when it goes wrong out there in the real world. That's terrible. Oh, my God, I would not be friends with her anymore. <laughs> we're pretty much not because that was a really um, – we, we, we passed, we crossed paths periodically, but um, that was uh, – that was not my favorite moment in fandom in my life, for sure. That's a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> I, you know, I hate it when I see, like, con um, videos when someone is asking an actor about fan fiction. Don't do that. No, I mean, that's something I would never bring up to an actor because, you know, yeah, you don't right? know how it makes them feel. Like, it it seems so inappropriate. And, you know, she made she made him uncomfortable. Um, she certainly made me uncomfortable. Uh, so it was, yeah, so I, I definitely, I changed the name under, I write under, and, uh, and I don't, uh, let my real world cross over in my fandom world in any way, shape, or form anymore. It's just not good, is it? It's, it's, it's no, not, it's not good. It, it's, it's not emotionally bad. safe. Because you expose yeah, yourself. Yeah, definitely not. And I well, have one coworker, one coworker that knew about um, that I wrote in fandom, and uh, he actually never outed me at work about it. But there was the tease that he was going to out me about it, which um, is ugly. Yeah, it was it was ugly. So that's just terrible. You kind know, of you kind of you kind of learn the hard way to kind of, you know, at least I learned the hard way to kind of hold all that stuff in and not let it cross over into into the real world. I don't let friends, people I know in my real life, they don't read what I write. Um, at least they, they don't read what I write in fandom. I write other stuff that they read, but they don't read what I write in fandom. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's... And I, I've had that, that question about, you know, are you ashamed of what you, what you do? I said, well, not in the way you mean, but um, I'm not going to set myself up for uh, bad situations that I want to be in either, so... I, I thought right. it's a practical approach. No, I get it because, you know, you're just, it isn't a matter of, of being ashamed for me. It's a matter of um, how much exposure I'm, I'm willing to allow um, and how much ammunition I'm going to give somebody else to use against me. Yeah, You know exactly. And, and somebody, somebody just asked about how you feel about then you write it, but don't say your pen name. Um, a bunch of people know that I write fandom, fan fiction, but I will not give them my pen name, and I will not tell them what fandoms I write in. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, 
it is no secret to practically anybody who knows me that um, I read fan fiction and that um, I occasionally write it occasionally. Yeah. Um, but I don't discuss um, my identity in fandom, and I've gotten some grief from people about that. And um, um, the last person who gave me um, serious grief about my um, fandom secrecy, um, I told her to kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the cafe and I was just doing my thing, being myself, and um I had some coffee and I was getting ready to write. Um and um she had mentioned before she was a she, um, she's a writer and you know, sometimes when you encounter writers who've been trying to get published for decades and and it's never gonna happen, it's never going to happen for this woman. She's not commercial. And you can be an outstanding writer, but if you're not commercial, you're not going to get published. Because you've got to be commercially viable in today's market. You just can't write for the art of it. And um, she's very, I don't want to use the word jealous, because that just doesn't seem to encompass what she feels for me. And um, when she found out I wrote in fandom, too, she gave, she gave me that whole lecture about wasting my time that I'm sure you've gotten multiple times. Oh, um yeah. Yeah, fuck them and fuck that. And it's it's very ugly. And um, then she started harping on me trying to figure out what my pen name was in fandom so she could look me up. And I, I never would give it to her. And the last time we had this discussion about this, I was in the cafe and handling my business and being me and um, having some coffee. And um, she kept bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. And... Finally, I just, oh, my God, would you fucking kiss my ass? It's never going to happen. I will never cross those paths. (laughs) We do not cross (laughs) the You cannot cross the streams. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The world could end. You know, it's it's funny because my my mom, um, she'll kill me for saying this to anybody, but you guys will never connect me to my mom, so it doesn't matter. She writes um, gay porn, and she's published, and she's written several Mm. books. And uh, so she has no problem with what I write. She has a problem that it's fan fiction. It makes her absolutely batshit insane. And Why? I get the... Because she, she's oh, you're wasting, wasting my time. Wasting my time, wasting my talent is what she says. You know um, what? I um, have had that thought in my face quite a few times. Um, I... But and not just because of fandom, but because I wasn't really interested in being published. So writing itself was a waste of time because I wasn't trying to make money. I was writing for me. I've always wrote for me, um, whether it's original fiction or, or fan fiction. And I will continue to write for me. And, but when you do something you enjoy, it's not a waste of time. And the last time somebody told me that, I thought, you know, this is this is the truth. This is what it boils down to. Life is not pleasant. Life is a mixture of ugly and death, and none of us are getting out of it alive. We have to pay bills. We have to do shit we don't want to do. Wash dishes. <laughs> 
clean the bathroom. And if I want to spend an hour of my day writing fan fiction because it makes me happy, that's not a waste of my time. You know what a waste of my time is? Washing dishes. That's a waste of my fucking time. <laughs> exactly. Cleaning the toilet is a waste of my time. Anything that I do that I don't enjoy is a waste of my time. <laughs> but if I'm enjoying it, that's not a waste of my time. It may not be how you want to spend your time, but that isn't my problem. My mother has never had this argument with me because that woman has been known to spend an hour and a half farming on Facebook. So she literally (laughs) has no room to talk. I consider gardening a waste of time. Well, I'm not going to argue about the gardening thing. I I have big old black thumbs. <laughs> I have some flowers recently. They're probably going to die. It's 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 not good. Um, but it it boils down to people do lots of things. They do lots of things that are that anybody else would consider a waste of time. But when you do something you enjoy, I don't consider it a waste of time. And this lady in in the cafe is always on me. And after I told her to kiss my ass, she got even worse. And um, just ugly, just ugly ass behavior. And to the point where I don't even let her sit in my vicinity anymore. I have a buffer in which she's not allowed in it. And she's not allowed in my buffer. And if she gets in my space, I leave. I refuse to engage her. And it's because she... Her ugly-ass, petty behavior is so anti-creative. She's like a black hole wherever she is, and she just sucks the creativity and the fun out of the room that she's in. And I don't want to be exposed to that shit. So the last time I left the cafe because she was there, I was only there like 30 minutes, and I just got my first cup of coffee, and I swigged it down, and she walked in, and she sat down at the table next to me because there's little personal tables. And I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. So I finished my coffee, pack up my shit, and the owner's like, you've only been here 30 minutes, is something wrong? Is the coffee bad? I'm like, no. <clears throat> the clientele is horrible, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's just evil. She's just evil. And, you know, the thing is, is I would, like, cuss her out often. But it would do me no good. It would be like banging my head up against a wall. And so I've decided to retreat. One of my very good friends who I've often referred to on my live journal is Snotty Chicklet Writer. That's her choice of names, by the way. That's not what I named her. She named herself that on my live journal. Um has taken to being as ugly to her back as possible. So while while I'm disengaging, my friend is engaging in all-out guerrilla warfare. <laughs> 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 you know, to the point where 
I fully expect them to come to blows at some point. I see this fist fight coming. And what's, gr- and what's horrible is they're both like 50 years old. They had no business fist fighting in public. <laughs> or at all, really. When so, somebody's going to break a hip. I can just see it. It's, it, it's going to be bad. And they, it's just, it's nasty. It is so nasty when you encounter someone who, who has no ability whatsoever to value you based on their own inaccuracy. I can't say it. Inadequacy? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> it wasn't going to come Wait. out tonight. You know, that I've noticed that the less well-reasoned an opinion is, the, the harder it is to talk somebody out of it. And so there's just no point in engaging. No, no, there's not. There, there, there just comes a point where you go, okay, yeah, sure. On a slight tangent, can I, I want to blow sunshine up your butt for a minute. And I know you probably get a lot of sunshine blown up your butt. But, okay. um, you know, I was... I'm game uh, for that. My my prior fandom life kind of imploded about eight years ago, and the fandom imploded. I mean, it's just, it was like all out, like you said, guerrilla warfare in the fandom, and it was ugly, and um, it, it kind sentinel? of made you not... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a different ugly. <laughs> my, right? Yeah, my one foray into the Sentinel fandom, I accidentally posted to an archive using my real email account, and I like immediately like went to the author and go, can you please pull that down? And and uh, it was it was just and then I got a lot of hate mail because like why did you take that story down so fast? <laughs> and I was like uh, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Leave me alone. It was an accident. But no, so the, it was X Files, and um, there was uh, this you know this part of the fandom I was heavily involved in had a big you know epic epic meltdown, and I was trying to decide if I was going to keep writing through the, um, and I had about. 1.2 million words invested into that fandom. And wow. So it, was, it, it, was, it was a lot of time over uh, close to a decade and um, a lot of energy. And I was um, working really closely with the beta that I worked with the most at that time um, to try to get back in the groove of writing and did I want to – and that's when I tried to sentinel, you know. She said, try another fandom. And then she died, and she was one of my Aww. best friends. And um, I stopped writing entirely because it was just, you know, it was just, it was too much emotional baggage at that time. And so that's like, um, so that was like eight years ago, I guess. Um, And I hadn't, I I periodically would try to write, and it was just like I had like this emotional block about it. And then I stumbled across, I was Googling for, looking for a story, and I stumbled across Naked Nano. It wasn't called Rough Trade at that time. And I um, started reading a couple of stories, and I'm like, what is this site about? And started digging into it. And then um, this past November, um, I was just kind of like, you know, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And I almost backed out the last one. I think I was like, you know, like barely signed up under the wire, and then I still almost didn't do it. And there was the first thing I had written, like significantly written, that was more than just a scene in eight years was um, what I did for Nano back in November. And I'm such, yes, emergence. And I am such a more sane human being when I'm writing because it's so much a part of what I, I mean, I'm always thinking stories. And so when it's coming out, it's, um, it's, uh, it makes me better. 
it makes me better. I handle my life better. I mean, it's just it's weird to kind of talk about. You know, we don't talk. I don't think we talk much about that side of writing. That you know, that when you get to express that stuff, when you get to create like that, that it it just makes you saner in your world. And um, I just really wanted. I really wanted to. Thank you for creating such a safe environment for writers to come into because I don't I think without that safe place I don't think I would have started writing again. Well, I'm glad. Um I'm I'm glad you found comfort in a rough trade and you know, I get a lot of grief from people in the background of rough trade who don't get their comments approved <laughs> <laughs> or who don't appreciate the way it's structured. The, the way I clean it off because it's not because it, it's not an archive and, and, and stories come and go from from the site and so I, I I get a lot of bullshit from from readers um, about it to be honest and um, <clears throat> oh my god and my own when I, it's like when when you were doing emergence I was doing unspeakable plot and unspeakable plot's about one hundred and eighty seven thousand words right now and it's not finished I'm still working on it. And but I got so much grief about the the deletion process across the board from from readers who didn't understand that Rough Trade was not an archive that um, you might have noticed a couple <laughs> rants <laughs> in public about it. But the thing is, is um, that that site isn't for readers, and it's it's not for readers. It's for writers and. Um, I I give a lot back to to writers as a professional. Um, I do college workshops and um, I run a writing group and I mentor young writers. But when it came to fandom, I was not giving to my fellow fandom writers. I wasn't giving back to the fandom in a way I thought was productive beyond my own insanely stupid word count <laughs> you know <laughs> and so i um just the it was, it, I, I don't know and i just thought okay you know i need something about this because i get a lot of enjoyment from fandom and and i i really do believe that when you find joy and fun in something that you do that that's valuable and then it's not a waste of time and I wanted to um, give back to that so that's where Naked Nano started and where Rough Trade um, was eventually birthed and it's 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 not about um, readers it's about writers I give a lot to readers already in the fandom I think across the board, whichever fandom I'm writing in. And when I am writing in a fandom or I'm writing a story, I, I give it my attention as much as I do anything else. And so when you give two million words to a bunch of people you don't know, <laughs> it it has to be a love, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it really can't be anything else. And so... So, so the next time your mom harps on you about wasting your time in fandom, um, just remind her that as much as she loves to write, you love to write too. And there is value in every single word you put down on paper, whether it's, or 
computer screen these days. And the value of it is not based on how much money you're going to make off of it. Because frankly, there's a lot of commercial fiction that should be free based <laughs> yes. on that. Based on or that I get paid to read it. Ideology. But when you can catalog enjoyment and satisfaction in the words that you write, that value is just as immense as a check. And so I don't assign... The fact of the matter is, is that I don't make a difference between fan fiction writers and professional writers. If you're putting your work out there for the world to see, whether you're making somebody pay for it or you're giving it to them for free, you are the same in my eyes. Because you are exposing yourself to the world in a way that a non-writer will never understand. Because there I is a I, level of, of go ahead. I would say in one of the uh, in one of the radio shows you talked about that you originally called it Naked Nano because it was you like you, when you put it out there you feel naked, and it mm-hmm. is that level of vulnerability. You might as well be naked. Yeah, you might as well be. And even in professional work, it's there's a level of of um, exposure that I wasn't really prepared for. Until after I was published, and I thought to my, you know, before I was published, you couldn't read my work unless I directly put it in your hands. I controlled who saw every word that I wrote. Then I got published, and I lost that control. And now there are people on this planet who have my words who didn't get them from me, who bought them in a store, or who bought them on Amazon. And when it first happened, I was extremely uncomfortable with it. Very uncomfortable. The idea that people have my words without my permission, (laughs) even though I had signed a contract and put my shit out there, right? But it was like, I don't want you people in my head. And then there were people in my head that I don't even know. You know, because at that point, even there were some things even I didn't let my mother read. You know, oh, you can read this, but you can't read this one. Because this one's actually more, no, no one's reading this one. You know, and so I think that in some ways, fandom prepares writers for commercial fiction in a way that is invaluable. Because when you publish in fandom, your words go out to the world and you have no control whatsoever on who reads it, how they're going to respond to it, what they think of it, what they get out of it. And it prepares you. And it also gives you a thicker skin. Because after you've run the gamut in a fandom like The Sentinel... A professional editor is a walk in the park. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying that nobody is crueler than a fan. 
and you can take a professional editor as as impersonal as they mean it to be and, and not be worried about it anymore because after you've dealt with somebody from a fandom like the Sentinel, and I know I harp on them a lot, and I'm sorry if you're listening, fandom. I know you're not okay. It's been a long time since you had any canon events. I apologize that your show got canceled. Um, now, you write, this is interesting because you write NCIS, mm-hmm. and there was a writer in NCIS who got driven out of the fandom for writing exactly what you're writing, not plot-wise or concept-wise, but you write a very strong Tony. You think he's Minka? He's, huh? Um, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember the pen she, name. She wrote um, the, uh, yeah, uh, well, the author that comes to mind is the one who wrote the uh, Tony's a Navy SEAL stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, she she it was so sad because she retreated to her own website and then she still couldn't get left alone, and then she took that down. And it was See, just, if she'd it, only know me. Yeah, I'd have been I, happy you know, to stand in front of her and tell the whole fandom to kiss my cute pink ass. <laughs> and it's just it's it's sick and sad when that happens to a writer, and I, it, I've seen it happen so many times, and. You know, you never know. Should I have been downloading all of these stories that I love so much because they're going to, you know, vanish someday because people are obnoxious assholes and they have to torment people? I don't understand it. If you don't like it, don't read it. It's a, I, you know what? I just hit, hit, hit the little X and move on with your life. There was it's a lot of It's not worth getting that at posting. And it was about Stephanie Meyer and the last book in her Twilight series. And basically Stephanie Meyer at some point told her fandom, if you don't like it, don't read it. And this poster on LiveJournal got really upset and basically implied that Stephanie Meyer owed her and the rest of her fans an apology for the last book she wrote. Because it didn't go go down the way they wanted it to go down. And I wanted to respond, but I didn't, because I don't want to start a, you know, flame war without some serious consideration, especially not over Twilight, since I've never actually even fucking read the books. <laughs> or seen the movies. I have no interest. Um... <clears throat> I wanted to say, Stephanie Meyer's not your bitch. She really isn't your bitch. So she's not required to write what you want. J.K. Rowling's not my bitch, because if she was my bitch, Ron Weasley would have died in the last book. (laughs) And Fred wouldn't have. (laughs) Yeah, Fred would have lived... Ron would have died, and Harry and Hermione would have lived happily ever after, okay? And that's what would have happened if J.K. Rowling was my bitch. But she's not my bitch. And so i got to put up with what i got to put up with. But that's why, why I write fandom fan exists. This is, right, yeah, exactly. this is why it exists. It's because, exactly. you know, I don't, I don't like some of the choices that, that the Dons have made about NCIS, and I would not ever dream of bitching them out about it. I would, you know, you owe me something different? No. I'll just write what I... But what I wish it had gone. That's that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Or you but you are a writing a strong Tony. 
does it concern you that you might get the same grief that uh, what was their what was her name again? Minka. Minka eighty three. Minka. Minka eighty three. Are you worried that you'll get that kind of grief too? I've already gotten grief. Really? Really? I've gotten yeah, I've gotten beat up a bit about about both stories actually. I'm gonna tell you right now, the next time somebody sends you a message like that, you send it to me. <laughs> and I will take care of it. I'll be the enforcer in the NCIS fandom. I will shove my foot up their ass. And I mean that, yes and no. The thing is, is that I don't believe in that nonsense. This is the same thing I encountered in the Sentinel fandom where they got the idea that um, – Blair should be written one way and one way only. And if you don't follow that fandom trope down the yellow brick road all the way to the goddamn Emerald City, then you're a terrible, terrible person and you must be punished. I'm going to tell you right now, Sentinel fandom, I enjoy a good spanking. And I will continue to write Blair the way I fucking want to. And that actually, if anything would get me into the NCIS fandom, it's that. I will bust in there and write Tony as the baddest motherfucker to ever live, just to mess with them. Watch me. I don't even ship Gibbs and Tony. I don't. But I could. I think I, I think that that's like my going to be like my 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 holdout threat is like if you don't quit bothering me I'm going to sit cure on you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, He's actually, got it, minions. <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't I, I guess I got a little inured to um, the abuse um, the first go around in, in fan fan fiction because I, I I wrote some stuff that was I knew it was going to be unpopular um, I wrote some some like epic character death stuff and i you know i'm warned for that shit I, i'm warned like this is you're, you're not going to like i actually said in one story i said you're not going to like this so don't read it <laughs> i wrote this for me <laughs> you, <don't fucking> <laughs> so fuck you, off. you know <laughs> so i don't want to hear about it if you don't like it and you know of course people still had to tell me they didn't like it um one person actually sent me an email that sort of i had to do a word count on it, it was over two thousand words telling me how much they didn't like it the story itself was only 1800 words so <laughs> Um, <laughs> the rant about it. Was you should have wrote back and story. said, "When your comment is longer than the actual story, your response to the story is inappropriate." <laughs> yeah, but but you know they just like, how could you have this person kill this person? And I was like, you know, I warned you, I warned you. What's you know the warning? I didn't put them at the top. I didn't even put that little link that says "see warnings" at the bottom. I put them at the top. I didn't even. It, was, it wasn't even published, like, I was on my website privately because I didn't want to, like, put it on a mailing list and surprise people with it. And people still, so, you know, I did, this one person who was kind of giving me a lot of grief, I said, you know, if you don't quit it, I'm going to post the contents of this email in its entirety on my blog and let everybody else have a go at you. <laughs> I've often threatened that, but I've never actually gone all out and given somebody's name out. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually do it, but the threat worked, and they shut the fuck up. So, 
But you know what, though? You can go ahead and forward those emails to me. <laughs> because well, I, I don't approve of it. I almost <laughs> did over um, some grief I got about Journey, because it's still in rough trade. So someone went around the rough trade. It's nowhere but rough trade. So right. someone went around the feedback system on rough trade and went to my blog to send me some critical feedback about it. And I said, you know, I'm so tempted to just... <laughs> But That's I know I'm terrible. Hunting. That is terrible. How invested do they have to be to hunt you down on the Internet to get around my rules to bitch at you about what you wrote? How fucking yeah. pitiful is that? You even if came you're up, listening, asshole, with, you're pitiful. You even came up because they said, Kira won't let us post this kind of stuff on. I'm like, so shut up. <laughs> Okay, Kara won't let you. She's the boss, so shut the fuck up. The next time somebody sends you an email and it starts with, Kira won't let me post this on Rough Trade, just forward the email to me and don't read the rest. I'll take care of it. I'll fuck them up. I'll make a a page on Rough Trade called the Hall of Fame. Shame. (laughs) The Rough Trade page of shame. These are assholes who, they're the reason we can't have nice things. (laughs) You know, because honestly, honestly, if anything could drive me into the NCIS fandom to fuck with people, this would be it. I'll be kicking the NCIS fandom door open and say, bitches, I'm here. Tony's going to be a goddamn seal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would... I would so, so love that. Because I don't understand why some, it bugs people so much that some characters, when they're written as strong, it's the same thing with the Blair thing. It's like they have to have the designated... I know what it is. Know, I'll tell you what it is, and I'm going to rant. I'm going to rant. Okay, I love your rant. What it is. Okay. In the Sentinel fandom and in the NCIS, Tony and Blair aren't written as gay men. They're written as girls with a dick. And then on top of that, they're not even written as girls, badass girls. They're written as 15-year-old wimpy girls who cry at the top of a goddamn hat. And how dare a fan decide that Blair can be a strong character, or how dare you decide that Tony can be strong and intelligent and on his game and tough. Because he's not been a cop for 20 goddamn years or anything, right? No. Exactly. You know, here's the thing. They put Tony and Blair in the role of a woman. And what's worse is these are women doing this. And then they water them down. And they make them weak. And when somebody else comes along and fucks with that dichotomy, they don't know what to do with you. So they abuse you because you're not conforming to their idea that Blair cries at the drop of a hat. That Tony can't survive or live or take care of himself without Gibbs there. Because Tony's not allowed to be a grown-ass man. 
because he's a 14-year-old girl. And that's what that boils down to. When you mess with their concept of what a character has to be for them to enjoy something, and then you have this idea that's really fantastic, like Emergence was a fantastic idea. It was great. In fact, out of all the Rough Trade stories that I read, and I didn't read them all because I had to do my own writing, Emergence was my favorite. I'm doing I'm doing that rough trade. I um, when you have a really really awesome idea, and then from their point of view, you ruin that idea by not writing Tony the way they want them want him to be written. It makes them upset and angry and mad, and they don't know what to do with it. So they attack you. But. I got the same thing in Awakening. I got more than one person telling me, oh, your idea was awesome, and this was great, and this was great, and I love Jim, but your execution of Blair was completely wrong. Really? If I said fuck off once to somebody in fandom, I said it 15 billion times when it came to the Awakening. Because... I don't see why, in a gay relationship, one of the men has to be written like a woman. That's ugly. It, and you know, the, none of the women that I hang out with, and none of the women in in our little community of crazy, none of them are like that. That's because they're afraid. It's, it's, it's an insult. It's an insult to women. It is an insult to women because not only are they not, they're not even badass women. They're like weak, wimpy, cry if they break a nail women. <laughs> now, granted, breaking a nail hurts like a son of a bitch, okay? It hurts. I've never actually cried because of one. I'm just putting it out there. Although earlier I jammed my finger and it hurt a lot. But I didn't cry because I'm a badass. But they I only cried when I ripped it completely off. And what's worse is that they're treating the bottom in this relationship like they're weak. And they assume that a bottom person who's getting a cock up their ass, oh, that wasn't too blunt for anybody, has to be submissive and weak and weepy. And that's insulting as hell as a woman. It is, it, it is subtle misogyny because it, 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 it does imply that the, the woman in the relationship is the weak one. And frankly, it takes a lot more. Um, I think it always takes more to be the bottom than the top. I think you have to have more trust. Oh. You know, yeah, whether, you whether, whether you're talking about trust. FM or whether you're talking about just you know, spreading your legs for somebody, you know, it's the more vulnerable position. So it, it, it frankly takes bigger balls. If there's a vulnerability to allowing somebody else in your body, male or female, um, especially male because the the anus is not, that's pretty delicate territory, and you can be fucked up if you've got a partner who doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't care if they hurt you, male or female. Hmm. But they do tend to write the bottom 
in a relationship as um, a very immature, weak woman. And it's, it's not even, you know, it's like they think that somebody has to have the feminized role. That they have that there has to be some kind of feminine presence in a gay relationship. Well, I got news for you people. If you think that, if you're listening and you think that, because there are about a hundred listeners who are not in the chat room, I can see the statistics. It's pretty cool. Um, if you think that when two men are together as a couple, that one of them is the woman, you're a dumbass. One of them is not the woman. In fact, the whole point is that there is no woman in there because they don't actually want a woman. That's just like when two women are together. One of them is not the man in the relationship. It's two women, and they don't want a dick in there unless it's fake. Please accept that. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's so annoying to see um, these gender stereotypes forced on male characters or female characters in such a way that you're getting the impression that the woman or the writer thinks that in order for a relationship to work, somebody has to be feminine or weak. And I don't actually equate feminine and weak, by the way, I don't. Um, I'm a badass. I'm totally convinced of that. I'm the crowd when I'm mad. <laughs> and then watch out. If you make me cry, you need to you need to vacate the state because it's not cover. going to be good. <laughs> Tornado, take cover, know, tropical, incoming. Tropical storm, Kara's coming. <laughs> incoming, <laughs> fire in the hole, so to speak. <laughs> but no, I mean for real. Um, I I think that you um, that that writers um, that attack concepts and attack writers who do it, who don't conform to the fandom, to the acceptable fandom, fandom characterization like Blair and Tony, um, they attack you because they're not comfortable with you messing with the status quo that, that they've developed, that they're used to reading. Yeah, because you know, I don't, I don't think it's something you should have to warn for. I don't think you should have to put a tag in your story that says "strong Tony" or "well-educated Tony" or anything of that nature. You shouldn't have to. I don't think you have to warn for characterization, but it is almost to that point where you have to say, just to be clear and set your expectations. I always write strong, competent Tony. If you don't like it, fuck off and don't read this. You don't write Stargate, that you have to right? Say that. Huh? Um, you don't write in Stargate, do you? Stargate. There is a uh-huh. um, link archive. It's kind of an archive, too, um, Area 52. 
Yeah, I read a lot of Stargate, but I don't. Uh, I, okay. I've never. Rough Trade will be my well. This journey sort of the first, but Rough Trade will be the first. Um, the new one yeah, cool. in July will be the first. It'll be awesome. I'm excited. Um, we okay. When you go over to Area 52 and and you post your link so that people can find your story in their little archive, there is a a warning box, and in that warning box is the term bottom. Jack. Because apparently yep. in the Stargate fandom, if Jack O'Neill's going to take it in the ass, you need to warn for it. Seriously? Now, the first that time I wrote... Yeah, I know, right? The first time I wrote Slash with Jack O'Neill, it was for Sentinels of Atlantis. And I wrote um, Jack and Patrick Shepard. And Jack was on top for that particular scene. And immediately after I wrote, I mean, it had not been posted for like five minutes, I swear. It couldn't have even been five minutes. Someone had used my contact form to let me know that it was the fandom standard in SG-1 that if Jack ends up on bottom, I need to warn for it. I shit you not. I wrote back and said... Pigs will fly in a frozen hell before I will warn for bottom. I'm not going to do it. I'm also not going to warn for slash or rimming. I'm not going to do it. You warn for things that are inappropriate. Rape. Incest. Graphic murder. That's the shit you warn for. Pedophilia. Child molestation. You don't warn for shit going to be on bottom. That's equating a gay sex act with a crime. You know, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but you're absolutely right. It is. It is putting them on the same, um, the same level, and that's really tragic. And ugly. It's just ugly. It's just ugly ass behavior. You know what? Another I should start saying, warning if you're for. Jack and if you... What? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's just another way of saying if you're gonna make Jack the girl, you better let us know about it ahead of time. And right. it's just, it's not right. <laughs> I'm going to start putting in my warning field written by Kira. That's really the only warning you need. You know what? Someone just said it. Something. I love when the tags and warnings on the fic are longer than the summary. You know what I hate about AO3 and their freestyle tagging system? You can open up a document to read on AO3 and have like six fucking pages of tags. You're scrolling down for half hour before you get to the story. Because they're using the tags to write their goddamn summary. People they want you hate to be writing a summary on the story. Huh? People hate writing something for some reason. I mean, you almost like need a class to people to help help you know demystify summary writing because you always see this either either they've tagged it to death. Or they say, I suck at writing summaries, just read it. Yeah, I know, right? And I hate to see that. When I see that, I want to close it. 
Um, approach summaries, I guess, from a different. Um, I come at summaries differently because I um, have learned to write them um, as well as synopsises and um, treatments for you know various projects. I've I've learned what to write as, as far as a summary goes. And somebody pointed out to me that they didn't want to write a summary for their story because they didn't want to spoil it. Here's the thing: if you can't write a paragraph to entice somebody to read your work without spoiling it. That's pretty sad. <laughs> it doesn't have to be any big thing. It, it really doesn't. And I think a lot of people put too much um, emphasis on a summary, and they develop this mythology around what a summary should be, and then they kind of talk themselves into bad at it. You know... Just, I approach it like this. I sit down and write my summary, and I'll go, okay, if I want someone to read my work, what do I tell them about it? And I write that down, and then I look at it for a while until I think, okay, yeah, that works, or it doesn't, and I start over again. So, you know, just say, okay, this is my story, and John comes to Colorado and meets his guide. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> it really isn't, you know? Because if you're going to write something like that, I, I think people would need to pretty much know and understand that you're going to have um, that a summary is required and you don't have to tell everybody. You don't, you don't have to give all the details away in a summary to make it work. So, but I'm not sure. Story, um, summary writing is a skill, and um, not everybody has it. And I think, but if you, um, and I don't think I'm always good at it. I, I really don't. Sometimes I think to myself, there's this one girl who puts my Tumblr, who, uh, who saves my links to her Tumblr, and I see them on um, Facebook sometimes. And one day she wrote a summary for something I had written um, for Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and it was a great summary. I'm like, oh, that sounds really, oh, that's my story. Because when I read the summary, I didn't even think it was, I didn't even realize it was mine. It just sounded really good, and I was like, oh, I want to read, oh, it's me. <laughs> she wasn't using the summary that I wrote. And I'm like, oh, that's a really great summary. I should steal it. <laughs> Go put it on my site, because it was great. <laughs> so, you know, Sometimes maybe let your beta write your summary. <laughs> they might do a more interesting job than you will. That's not a bad idea. I, I don't I don't stress too much about summary writing. Um, I actually stress more about titles, and that actually almost stopped me on the very first rough trade because the title ahead of time, I was like, I always title last. What the hell am I going to do? And it was just like my brain stopped working for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I title first. Um, sometimes I Sometimes I change my title before the end of the the project, but I, I, I title first because I'm from an organizational point of view. I have to build my um, outline, I have to make my documents, and I can't do. I literally have a inability to write untitled project one on a document. It's it, it's it's impossible. <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, mine, mine, mine always wind up with like um, mine before rough trade. Like my, 
um, my story notes are like guide story notes or dragon story notes or you know psychic story notes and that's and it, you know and the stuff I'm writing that isn't is untitled is like psychic story chapter one and <laughs> I've just learned to live with that but um, now I'm, I'm getting into the groove of titling ahead of time even when I pick um, just random crap for the title you know I just go well, it can change you it know, gives me a focus. I, I, of course, I do have a story called Gay Swans, so it isn't like this. that's going to be the title that it ends up with. And then I had that one story um, that I called Left for Dead and Pegasus for six months before it became knowing to me within. Because <laughs> I called myself right in a space western, and I had this whole, you know, and I literally called the first book in Lantine Legacy Left for Dead and Pegasus for six months. Was that like fact, a, was the, that actually your document title was Left for Dead and Pegasus? Yes, <laughs> yes, it was the title of, and it's also the title of the um, first story in my series Bible that I write in composition notebooks. It literally says Left for Dead and Pegasus, um, because that's what they did. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I give it a, a, a real title that sticks, and sometimes I get it gets a um, title. That will change, you know, depending on um, various various reasons before I get to the end. But yeah, I always give it a working title, and the working titles on Rough Trade actually have purpose. It's organizational. I can't have everybody going untitled Sentinel, <laughs> Psychic AU, Bye, <laughs> because it would get really difficult for readers to keep track of what's going on. And I already get enough grief from those assholes on um, Rough Trade. I love you guys, every one of you. But you're assholes sometimes. I deleted 47 comments on Rough Trade during the month of April for not following my rules. Just saying. Forty-seven. That's a Fortunately lot. Fortunately for people. you, there were so many people that you didn't get individual emails cussing you out. That's not to say that I won't make a form letter <laughs> <laughs> to send you next time. So everybody the you same probably, form you letter. Could, you could probably get a hit minion to take care of that for you. <laughs> hit minion <laughs> start with how fucking dare you not pay attention to my goddamn rules and don't be stalking people across the internet to post shit on their own blog you fucking asshole <laughs> it's just terrible if you're so invested in criticizing somebody else that you have to google them to find their personal site in order to do it then you are pathetic And being a grammar Nazi, when you're not invited to be, is pure assholery. Pure assholery. <clears throat> that's fandom for you right there. And that's a good reason to stay in the fandom closet. I'm bringing it back around since I 
fucked all over the place. But then it did say general fuckery, so no one can say that my show is completely off topic since practically everything out of my mouth is general fuckery. There are people in fandom you cannot trust with your personal details. There are people in fandom you cannot trust to treat your work and you with the respect that you deserve. They will say things that will make you unhappy. They will say things that will be designed to make you leave fandom because you make them uncomfortable. And when someone is uncomfortable with you, they lash out in ugly and destructive ways. And fandom bullying is our biggest problem. It's not wank. It's not constructive criticism that you didn't ask for. It's not non-consensual beta. It is bullying someone who makes you uncomfortable so they leave a fandom that they enjoy and take pride in because you're a selfish cunt. So don't be a selfish cunt. There is room in fandom for everybody, and when you pick on somebody because they're not doing what you want them to do, you're not being a good person. And we don't like that bullshit. And I have minions, and I will stick them on you. So if you're on Rough Trade, or just an author in general, and someone picks on you, you email me and give me their details, and I will fuck them up. You guys have a good evening. Julie, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win $5,000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on approved credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. 500 vehicles to sell. 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Toyota during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May 31st. That means mega deal on your favorite Toyota models from Alabama's number one volume Toyota dealer. And don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. Plus, enjoy the rest of our awesome Petty perks. Visit BillPettyToyota.com during Mega Memorial Month. Number one based on 2018 total new Toyota retail sales in Alabama for Southeast Toyota distributors. Warranty valid through 10th year of ownership on new vehicles only. See dealer for details.